Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. My name is Matt Love, and this is a podcast where Pastor J.D. Greer gives quick answers to some of your toughest theological, ethical, and leadership questions. Um, one of the things we aim to do here uh, at Summit Life is not only answer questions for the individual person asking them, but also give some language to church leaders who are potentially being asked these same questions. So often the answers include something that all of us need to hear, not just those asking the question. And I think today is a great example of that. Our question today is from uh, one of our listeners named Caroline. And she asked, for the single and the infertile, what does the statement be fruitful and multiply mean? How do we live out that directive? JD, what do you think? Caroline, great question. You know, every few years we try to do a series here at our church on dating relationships and marriage. And, and I'm very aware that well over half of the people who are listening to me each weekend are single. And so I, you know, I've got these questions. Some of them are single, you know, because, and they're going to get married one day, but some of them are single again. And some of them are just single as what appears to be a life calling. Some of them have chosen that. Some of them feel like they didn't choose it. It's just the way that God has arranged the, the circumstances of their life. And so it's a question I've had to think about a lot because these commands, and there's a lot of Christians, let's just face it, who talk about marriage as if it's like, that's really the ultimate state. And that's where every Christian is you know, needs to get to. And if you don't get to that, then something went wrong. Um, so yeah, that's a good question. When you have a command that's as central to the Christian life as this is in creation, like be fruitful and multiply, what does it mean to them? Um, Caroline, here is the biblical truth. And I could not emphasize this enough. Earthly families, this is a little countercultural, especially in modern American evangelical Christianity. Earthly families are just temporary stand-ins for heavenly realities. The Apostle Paul said that that the first marriage was given really just as a picture, an earthly picture of Christ and the church. Christ and the church, that's the ultimate eternal relationship. Um, the marriage and, and, and nuclear family is just a temporary one. That means it's not important. That means it's not something that, that we devote ourselves to on, on earth, but it's not ultimately permanent. The Sadducees asked Jesus one time, they, they came up with this scenario where a woman you know, has seven husbands and they all die and, and they're like, who's she going to be in the in the resurrection? And Jesus said, listen, you're, you're wrong in the premise of the question, because in heaven, people don't, they're not married and they don't, they're, um, they're not going to get married. And, you know, so you think about it, that means that my wife and I, Veronica and I, we're not going to be married in heaven. To be honest with you, sometimes that makes me a little sad because I'm like, am I going to see her and, and you know, kind of with a knowing look in her eye, am I going to give her a little wink or something? I don't know. I know that our capacity for love up there is increased. I'm going to know, I'm going to remember that she's my wife. We're going to have a better relationship there than we do here. But marriage and family, they're not, they're not permanent realities. The Mormons are the ones that teach that, that it's, you know, e eternal family, the eternal family that the Bible teaches is, is the family of God. And, and these things were temporary stand-ins. A few examples from the life of Jesus to, to illustrate that. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, uh, somebody told Jesus like, hey, he's like, hey, Jesus, your brother and your mother and your, your siblings, they're, they're out there waiting to talk to you. And Jesus said, you know, who are my brothers and my mother? You know, and he, he points to the people in front of him and he said, the ones who hear the word of God and do it, they're my my brothers and my they're my siblings and my family. And he wasn't trying to diss his actual biological family. He was just saying that in his kingdom, those who hear and obey his word have an even 
more fundamental, foundational connection to him, more permanent, lasting connection than even his biological. To, to him, his unity in the family of God was stronger even than his biological family. Um, Luke 11, lady calls out to Jesus while he's teaching, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and who nursed you. Now, we're talking about Mary, right? I mean, Mary is revered in the church. She's a, a you know blessed, a blessed person. But Jesus' response to her is to say, you know, blessed are those who hear the word of God and they keep it. Again, emphasizing that that the connection, spiritual connections in the body of Christ that the Spirit gives us together, um, that's even more more important to Him. Matthew nineteen, Jesus, when He's talking about the promises of the kingdom, He He makes them two eunuchs who in those days, we could translate that as people who will never get married. In those days, it was somebody that had actually, you know, physical circumstances kept them from being able to have kids. But um, Jesus overturned a big Jewish, you know, belief, and that is that marriage was an ultimate state. He said, no eunuchs have an equal share in in the inheritance of the kingdom of God. Um, Love what John Piper says here about Matthew 19. He said, Jesus was here calling out a new family where single people in Christ or people not in traditional families are still full-fledged family members on a par with all others, bearing fruit for God and becoming mothers and fathers of the eternal kind. Listen to this. Marriage is temporary, and it will finally give way to the relationship to which it was pointing all along, Christ and the church. Marriage is temporary, and it will finally give way to the relationship to which it was pointing all along, Christ and the church. The way a picture is no longer needed when you see face-to-face. When I'm away from my wife... I look at a picture. When I miss my kids, I look at their picture. But when I'm in their presence, I don't need to look at their pictures because they're in front of me. And what Piper is saying that Jesus is teaching is that ultimately um, nuclear families and marriage, those were like pictures. The reality was Christ and the church. And one day when we're united in that eternal family, um, these things are not going to be ultimate. That marriage is, is light and temporary, to use, use Piper's words. So what that means, Caroline, is that marriage is not permanent. It means singleness is not permanent nor is so-called childlessness. And because of that, I would say that spiritual offspring are, dare I say, more important, more eternal than biological offspring. Because ultimately, that's, that's the ultimate fulfillment of being fruitful and multiplying. If you're single, you can intentionally devote yourself to raising up spiritual sons and daughters in the faith. That is the fulfillment of that command. Now, I, I want to be clear and not unrealistic. It's okay. It's okay to mourn the lack of ability to have biological kids. Or, 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 or not to be married. That's a real loss. I completely understand that. But by God's grace, even that very real grief can be overshadowed by a joy of having eternal spiritual children and being a part of their lives. I'll give you a great example of what I'm talking about. I actually got a letter from one of our single missionaries here from the Summit Church who just came off the field where she'd served there for six years as a single lady. She said, she said and I quote, for the first few years in the field, I grieved the loss of not being able to have biological children. But God used that by grace and through many tears to make me the proudest and most joy-filled spiritual mom on the planet the day I saw my spiritual son baptized in the unreached corner, the corners of East Asia. I don't know what it's like to hold an infant baby, my infant baby, for the first time. I'd imagine it feels like your heart's about to burst. I imagine that because that's how I felt as this young man came up from the baptismal waters. It was a beautiful moment for me. The doctrine of spiritual children has by far been the most inspiring, joy-giving biblical doctrine, maybe of my whole life. And another perk, 
I only had to wait six months for a spiritual grandbaby. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of, 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 of somebody who's single fulfilling that command to be fruitful and multiply. The only part of your life that's going to be unfulfilled if you're single is sexual. You're going to have relationships. You're going to have deep friendships, companionships. Yes, yeah, sexual, that part of you will remain unfulfilled. And that also, that's a legitimate loss. And I don't want to minimize that. But I want you to know that God can enable you to live a happy and fulfilled life without sex, without that that one relationship. How do I know that? Well, the most joy-filled, love-filled man ever to walk the face of the earth lived his 33 years here without sex. Other things that marriage supplies, companionship, offspring, God gives to you now in an ultimate form, in an eternal form through the church. You need, we need that community. That's the community, the ultimate family the forever family we're created for. Rebecca McLaughlin, my friend, one, so we've had her here on Ask Me Anything. She says, you will not wither without sex, but you will wither without friend or family connection. And that's what God gives us in the church. In fact, he says, if any of us have left, you know, friends or family to follow him, he'll, he'll give us a hundredfold, not just in heaven, but in this present time. He said in this life too, and that's fulfilled to the church. So Caroline, bottom line, the command to be fruitful and multiply applies to all of us in the body of Christ, single people, infertile couples, everybody else. It applies to us in the ultimate sense, the eternal sense, spiritually. God wants to use us to raise up an army of disciples in this generation and in the ones to come. And part of that might be through parenthood, through raising children in your home that come to Christ and you send out. But if not, there are so many other ways he can use you to mentor and disciple spiritual sons and daughters, um, whether it's through being in the student ministry at your church or fostering kids or or even just being involved, winning others to Christ and discipling them, um, even if it's other adults. Those are still spiritual offspring. So ask God to show you who you can spend your time with and who you can pour into so that you also can be fruitful and multiply. Great question, Caroline. Thanks for asking it. Well, thank you so much, JD. That was super helpful. I hope Caroline and others feel just a great sense of purpose and hope and clarity after hearing this wisdom. Thank you so much for joining us today for Ask Me Anything. If you like our podcast, we would really, really, really love it if you would briefly rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, all kinds of places, so that others can enjoy it as well. It is really one of the most helpful things you can do If you enjoy this, chances are someone else is going to enjoy it. So go ahead and give us a rating and a review. And also make sure you're subscribed so you get all our new episodes directly on your device. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Ask Me Anything.